Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. So today I want to talk about that a little bit from the scripture. I'm entitling the message today, Making a Choice to Trust God. New Year's resolution, making a choice. This year, I'm going to trust him. Now, there's more to that than just speaking it. And it doesn't matter where we are, whether we are saved or lost, we need to learn to trust God. Our response to the Word of God, our response to the Word of God will determine the direction of our life in the future. I want to say that again. I want you to hear exactly what I've just said. It is our response to the truth of the Word of God that will determine the direction of our life in whatever time lies in the future. And if God cannot change your life, how could we expect Him to change our world? How many people do you know say, I'm just concerned about our nation? Are they also concerned about themselves? The way you change a nation is to change the individuals in that nation. And if God can't change you, why should should you think he would change America or the world? So I want you to listen to me this morning. There'd be a lot of scripture be used. And I want you to pay attention to that one single thought. That resolution, if you might call it that, and that is, I am going to make a choice today to trust God. Now let's see what that means. From the 56th Psalm, would you stand and let me read to you, and we, we stand here in the auditorium out of respect to the word. If it's, if it's uncomfortable for you to stand, remain seated. We understand that, but we all stand for one another. Listen, if you will, to the psalmist as he has said in verse 1 and 2, the enemies are coming up against him. All the time, there seems to be problems, problems, problems. Listen to what he says. Verse 3, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. In God... I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Very clear, very profound from God. Through the psalmist David and a promise, I'm going to trust him. Our Heavenly Father, bless we pray now the teaching and the presentation of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you be seated? Those that have been around Sagemont a long time know I love Southern gospel music. And Jake Hess was one of my favorite people years ago. He's with the Lord now. We had the privilege of having Jake here for many revival. About three or four days I got to preach. And some of my singing heroes did this music. And uh, I remember one of the things that he said. 
in talking about the future. He says, well, I can tell you from my experience in old age, the next year is going to be a better than this, or it's going to be worse than this, or it's going to be the same as this one was. Now, that's pretty profound, isn't it? But there's a lot of truth in that. But you know what? Doesn't matter which three. If you'll make a resolution to trust God, it's going to be the best year you've ever had. All of us are involved in a conflict. That conflict is to turn our natural lives into spiritual lives. Where we don't just go around like everyone else and look at things like everybody else does. But it's necessary for the old man to pass away, the natural man, and for God to come into your life through Jesus Christ and you learn to trust him and you are born again and old things pass away and all things become new and then you are able in the days to come to do what is not easy to do. And that is to learn to trust God continually and unconditionally. David was a great warrior. He was a great musician. He was a powerful king. He had unbelievable skills. He had great courage. He was a strong man. But you know what? There were times when he was afraid. With all the army he had protecting him, with all the wealth that he had, with all the fame and the fortune, if you please, there were times when he was afraid. If you go back to the Old Testament and you read in the book of 1 Samuel, the 21st chapter, verse 12, you'll see that he was afraid of a particular king, Achish, king of Gath. Here's what it says, 12th verse. And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. However, upon recognizing his fear, now listen to me, upon recognizing and acknowledging his fear, he said, I will trust in you, talking to the Lord, I will not be afraid. You remember the 23rd Psalm, verse 4? You'll get there as you're quoting it in your mind. I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they're going to comfort me. When we turn to the 16th Psalm, we read these words, I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Can we believe, can we believe what God said in the book of Hebrews, 13th chapter, verse 5, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Can you believe that? Now think about it. Not, not just, it is a fact. You say, well, I believe it because it's in the Bible. But do you believe that? Do you believe it so much that if things get better, if they get worse, if they stay the same, 
my God's not going to leave me. He's been through the bad times, the good times, the, the melancholy times. He's been through a crucifixion and a resurrection and an ascension. But he also says to us, if you will make a choice to trust me, if you will receive me into your life, I will live in your life, and whatever you face, I've been there. Matter of fact, in the book of Hebrews, in another place it says, in all points that Jesus was tempted by the forces of evil in every way that we will ever be tempted. He's already been there, and he's learned how to handle it. Now, I want to emphasize my point again. Your choice will determine your future. Now, we like to point at other people, but you know, if you keep on doing what you're already doing, you'll always have what you've already got. And when there's a generation of children that come up and say, I'm going to be different than my parents in some area where their parents just failed. I'm going to be different. I'm going to step out of my culture. I'm going to step out of my environment. And I am going to trust my God to provide for me my future. A question. Do I trust God when I feel like it? Or am I going to trust God unconditionally? Now let me ask you a question. Does God love you when he feels like it or does he love you unconditionally? <laughs> you answer the question. Which is true. If, if I am going to love him unconditionally, if I am going to look to him and say, you know, God, I'm going to trust you whether I feel like it or not. I just don't feel like praying. I just don't feel like reading the Bible. You know, I just don't feel like coming to church. Not that I'm that bad. I plan to do some other things today, but I just don't feel like getting around all those believers. And they're going to tell me everything's going great in their life and mine's falling apart. Just think I'll stay home. Knowledge of God precedes everything in your life. It's not what others believe about God. It's what you believe about God that will determine your future. Is God sovereign? Let me ask you, is God sovereign? Is he all-powerful? Is there anything too hard for him? If you are diseased, is there a disease that God cannot heal? If you are financially struggling, is there a need that God says, I will not meet that need because I don't have the resources to meet that need? I would give it to you if I had it, what is your opinion of God? Is God loving? Does, does he love you when you are good only and when you're obedient only? Or does he love you unconditionally? Now, those of us that know a little bit of the Bible know the answer to all those questions. Yes, he's sovereign. Yes, he is wise. He makes right decisions. He always, even to the moment of the cross, when he said, Father, I'm going to seek your counsel. I don't want to go to this cross, but I'm going to obey you and I'm going to trust you. And if it be your will, I want this cup to pass from me. But if it's not your will, then I'm ready. I'm just going to trust you. 
You see, the problem today, folks, is most people don't know the truth. How are you going to believe the truth if you don't know the truth? Why, why don't we know the truth? Because that which is true, we don't read. How many of you believe everything you read on your emails? How many of you believe everything that's on Facebook? How many of you believe everything on MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, KPRC, you name it, NBC, CBS, you name it. How many of you believe all that stuff is true? You say, I don't know all of it. Well, then I ask you, how many of you believe this book? To be the inspired and errant infallible word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory. Then I'm going to ask you a question. Why do you spend so much time watching what you don't believe and reading what you don't believe and so little time reading what you all say you do believe? Right? Is that just common sense? You know, if, if he's the way, the truth, and the life, why don't you trust him? If he says, and he never lies, I will not withhold any good thing from you, why don't you take him at his word? If he says, I won't leave you and forsake you, why do you feel so lonely, so lonesome? I just feel like I'm all alone. You're never alone if you're a child of God. Trusting God is not easy. It's a matter of faith. It is also a matter of separating yourself from the majority. Isn't it interesting that reality TV is such a big thing today? Reality. Let me tell you what's really reality is this. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit, now listen to this, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and the last one is faith. It is faith. Let me give you an illustration. If I said the word John Newton, you may or may not know that name, but you would know something that he did. He wrote, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound that saved a wretch like me. Three months before the death of his precious wife from cancer, he was pacing the floor trying to figure out what God was doing. Not understanding, not, not clearly figuring out because God's ways are higher than our ways and but we still want to try to, God, I don't understand. Please help me to understand. But as he was doing that, a thought struck his mind. Here's the thought. The promises of God must be true. Surely the Lord will help me if I'm willing to be helped. You know why a lot of people never feel the comfort of God? Because you are not willing to accept the comfort of God. Sometimes you feel like in order for me to be comfortable, I need to be healthy, wealthy, have a lot of friends, and you could just add to your list that God alone is not enough. And when the Lord said, I want to give you my personal undivided attention and I want to teach you some things that you don't know and your friends don't know them, and by the way, if you're beyond some age, I don't know what it is, but it's a long way back in my life. It is when you're going through the difficult things in life that you're going to learn the most about who God is. 
It is when there's nothing else you can trust. The insurance company calls and says we're canceling. The, the boss says you're fired. The banker says the note is due. The doctor says the tests are positive. Now you find out whether God is real or not. And here's what Newton said aloud. He said, Lord, I am helpless indeed in myself. But I hope I am willing without reserve that thou shouldest help me. He said, I'm just going to trust you. You know what I need. You know how I feel. You know how much I love my wife. But here's the point of the illustration. John Newton was willing to be helped. Are you? Am I? Are we willing to be helped? You see, when I say week after week up here, and I, and I never try to preach a message that I don't get to the cross at some point in time. Every time I tell you, you can be born again and old things can pass away and all things can become new. You either believe that or you don't believe it. And I did not make any of that up. Every bit of it is taken out of the word of God. But most say, no, 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 I think I can make it. I'm not going to be religious. God doesn't want you to be religious. He wants you to be real. See, religious people never have problems. Real people have problems. And they're willing to call upon him while he is near. They're willing to seek him, knowing that they will find him. He realized, Newton did, that he could be just swallowed up in self-pity. He could blame everything, including God. But he chose to let the scripture come alive in his life and oh how God used him to touch all of us. In the 34th Psalm verse 4, David said, I sought the Lord, listen to this, and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. What are you afraid of today? What are you afraid of? You know what? All of us face things that we fear. You know what's the first thing I learned to do a long time ago? Figure the worst scenario. The worst. And kind of figure out what would happen. Like, man, I've, I've got this bad disease. I could die. Okay, what happened? Would be better, wouldn't it? Okay, so anything other than the worst is going to be bad. Yeah, well, I just want to live a little bit longer. And then I want to die. When you take that time and just say, I'm not going to be afraid. I would like to know what's going on because it's a truth that sets us free. If there's a limited time to live, you say, I would like to know that I have that time. If there's a certain situation going on, I want to know the truth because I know the scripture says truth will set me free. But we're to trust God in times of adversity, but that's hard to do. But there is a way to do it. The way to do it is to let the Holy Spirit enable you to do that very thing. We love that invitation song, only trust him, only trust him. What you can't do, you can join with Paul and say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Well, how does he strengthen you? He strengthens you by his Holy Spirit coming into your life. You say, I'm in so much pain. God can be in our pain. I'm just enduring so much grief. God 
can be with us in our grief. Everything I'm saying to you is based on a presumptuous fact. And that is that God is trustworthy. You can trust him. You can trust him. Once that thought crosses your mind, I'm going to trust him unconditionally when you choose to put that thought in your mind and I'm going to seek the Lord, I'm going to obey the Lord, I am going to do what he tells me to do, you're going to start walking in victory. You can trust him. God's promises are true. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are in our life. It's very easy to lose the sense of God's presence. But it's impossible to deny the fact of God's presence. Do you hear what I said? It is easy to lose the sense of God's presence. Well, if God's here, I don't, I don't know where he is. All I'm telling you, I'm telling you a fact. He is here and you can touch him. But I don't feel like it. That has nothing to do with it. Has nothing to do with it. What you need to do is, I know that I can trust him, so I'm going to, my resolution for the new year and the future is, I am going to trust him, and I am not going to measure him by how good I feel, or how much money I make, or how little I make, or who leaves me and forsakes me. I'm not going to measure it by that. Here's what Job said in the 13th chapter. Verse 15, though he slay me, I will trust him. Here's what he says in the 28th chapter. Verse 8, behold, I go forward. Listen to this. See if you cannot identify with Job. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. And backwards, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him but he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Did you hear what he just said? He said, I've gone north, south, east, and west. I can't find God anywhere. I've followed all the suggestions of my friends. I've done it all, and I didn't find him. But he said, I know something, though. Here's what I know. I know that I'm trusting him. I don't sense his presence, but I'm accepting the fact that he's there. And I'm going to come out as fine gold. Boy, that's strong, folks. Like the boy from East Texas said, that's strong as 16 miles of garlic. <laughs> we may not ex ever experience the intensity of Job's suffering. You remember, he lost his family, lost his health, lost his wealth, lost his land, and he lost it all. We may never go through what he went through. But we can experience the same feeling that God has left us. I was an only child. My dad loved to hunt, and he took me hunting when I started taking me when I was five years old. Some of you mothers are going to cringe with this illustration, but stay with me. When I was seven years old, he would put me on a deer stand in Real County, Texas, where there was nothing but cedar trees. There was no openings out there, just cedars. You couldn't see more than 60, 70 yards. He would take me out early in the morning in the dark and set me by the tree. He would stay with me until the light just began, what the hunter calls it, first light. And as first light would come, 
And I could see 50 or 60 yards. My dad would whisper to me, now, son, I'm going to go over the hill, and I'll be back in a couple of hours. He told me how to sit, what to do. He taught me gun training, all that kind of stuff. And then he'd leave. And he'd walk off, and I could see him walk off. Well, when you're seven or eight years old, that's pretty, you know, you, you, know, you can get right with God even when you're eight, you know. Especially when you've heard all those deer camp stories about all the panthers there are there, you know, and all the black panthers there are in Texas. That's a funny one. Uh, but he would leave. I was learning. What I didn't know was my dad would go out of sight, just over the hill, go out, come around, and sit down about 20 yards behind me and watch me. He wasn't hunting, he was watching me. Is he doing what I told him to do? Is he obeying me? See, I thought he was out of sight, you know, out of mind, out of thought. That's the reason sin likes dark places. God doesn't come here because he's light. And this dive that I go to is so dark he can't be here. He's right there. You know what he's watching? See, my gun wasn't even loaded. I didn't know that. And the other thing I didn't know was we were right behind the camp house. There wasn't a deer in three miles. But the point was, I'm trying to teach you how to walk in obedience to the little knowledge that you have. And then one day, I will carry you to the next step. The prophet Isaiah said to God one day, in the 45th chapter, verse 15, Verily thou art a God that hidest thyself, O God of Israel, the Savior. God has a way of hiding himself from you. And you buy into it. Oh, I've been a long way from God recently. Boy, that's spiritual talk, folks. That is, that's right before rededicating your life. I've been way away from God in the last few years. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, but you haven't been. Oh, my goodness. He saw me. He knew what I did. He knows what I've been up to. Oh, yeah. But you know what? He loves you anyway. Yeah. yeah. He's, his heart is just broken because you're, you're uh, swapping the good stuff for the garbage. Yeah. Is, any, is there any reason we love that song, The Old Rugged Cross, especially that part, I will cling to the old rugged cross? And then I'll exchange it one day for a crown. There's no reason for any of us to be surprised or depressed. When in times of distress, we cannot see God. We cannot find him. Don't get, don't get despondent. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You remember who said that? Was God there? Oh, yes. Did he know what was going on? Yes. Was there a purpose? Yes. So when you feel like, I just don't believe God even knows I'm on the planet, trust me, he is. Here's what Paul said in Titus 1, 2. God does not lie in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Let me ask you a question. When does eternal life start? When does it start? 
Most people think that's when I die. No, it isn't. That's when you invite God into your life. That's when you come alive because he has come to live in you and he's living his life through you. And because of that, you're able to go day by day with a full assurance that if I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. He never, he never allows our adversaries, Satan and his demons, to hide us from the all-seeing eye of God. And because he never leaves us, we are invited in 1 Peter 5, 7 to cast all your cares upon him for he careth for you. Not only will he not leave, but all the time he cares for us. Let me quote John Newton one more time. He said, if it were possible for me to alter any part of his plan, I could only spoil it. Think of that. If it were possible for me to change anything God has planned for me, it would spoil it. He's got the best plan for me. And I don't need to change the agenda. Every person that reads the Bible for probably a year, somebody will say, read Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. We can't do it by ourselves, but we can do it through him. In the 50th Psalm, verse 15, it says, And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Wow. Thank you, Lord. You're an awesome God. So if there's temporal blessings, temporal prosperity, we're prone to put our trust in those blessings, or even worse, in ourselves. Here's my point. It is more difficult to trust God when everything is going well than it is when everything is going bad. Whenever we find things going well and a doctor tells us that in our future we've got so, you know, you're, you've got the body of a whatever, you know, you're much younger than your age, whatever, we better be careful. We better be careful that we pray with sincerity. Beth and I had the privilege, as we do every Christmas, of getting with her brother, and I have no brothers and sisters, but with her brother and his wife and my one nephew and his two sons and his wife. And when Beth's brother called upon one deleted prayer, the, the youngest son, the grandson, led in one of the most beautiful prayers at Christmas meal that you'd ever hear from a little child. It's not a memorized prayer. It was a prayer from the heart that ended with, and thank you most of all for Jesus, our Savior, for you. You see, that's what it's like. Just remind yourself, in Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We can look around and we can see things differently when we look through the eyes of God. 
the extent to which we genuinely thank God for the blessings he provides us is an indicator that we really trust him. Solomon said in the seventh chapter, verse 14, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider. God also has said, listen, God also has set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. He says in adversity or in prosperity, God is God of both. And there's no reason for us to want anything other than his will. We can easily be tempted to trust the provision rather than the provider. We think we got the good stuff. Oh, I got a lot of good things for Christmas. Well, that's yet to be determined. Because you see, there's people that will get things and got things for Christmas that will be their downfall. There will be some that got things that can take their life. There are those that got things that can affect their mind the way they think because they spend so much time looking at it. I mean, it goes on and on. Let's just trust him. Proverbs 18, 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. The rich man's wealth is his strong city and has a high wall in his own conceit. Now, the contrast is not between being righteous and being wealthy. You can be both. <clears throat> but don't ever trust in the wealth of man as opposed to the righteousness of God. That's the difference. And understand that to whom much is given, much is required. So if God gives you length of days, then God expects you to use those days for his glory. If God gives you any talent, he wants you to use it for his glory. And he says, I will not withhold any good thing from you. And if you'll be faithful over a little, I will trust to you more. But I'm looking for somebody that will trust me and understand I'm trying to get my message to the world. Some of you, I can get it through your financial giving. Others of you, I can give it through you giving your life to carry that message. Others of you, I can put you in a place where you can be such an example at the office or at the school, at the factory, or at the golf course, that your life is so shining before men that they see the good works, but they glorify the Father which is in heaven. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to use us for his glory. And anything other than him that I trust in or you trust in becomes our fortified city. And when that happens, whether it's your intelligence, your degrees, your money, your nest egg, the nation, the military, anything other than God is our fortified city. Could I encourage you to spend as much time as you can thinking about what you're going to do next year rather than what they're going to do in Washington? See, God's got it planned in heaven. And the quicker you can find out what God's up to and get in on it, the better year you're going to have. And I don't care how you voted or what side you're on. When you start thinking politically, you can end up as mixed up as a termite and a yo-yo. Because all you're going to hear and see is a rerun. Well, they said that, now look what they're doing. They said that, now look what they're doing. They said that, look, that's man. Since God is not our elected leader, 
We don't elect him as a nation. We elect him individually. And whenever we choose him, he says, if my people, which are called by my name, will do what I tell them to do, then I'll deal with their nation. We need to get back to where we live. What are you going to do? That's for me and my house. Job said, we're going to, or Joshua said, I'm going to, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. That's what we're going to do. Well, what if? Doesn't make any difference. We're going to serve him. Well, what if he slays me? Job said, well, I'm going to serve him. Well, what can happen? Well, you won't serve him. Nothing. The devil said, I better go mess with somebody else. I don't believe these people are going to get talked out of it. That's what I want to close with. Psalm 44, 6, David said, for I will not trust in my bow. Okay? But now listen. He didn't throw his bow away. I'm not going to trust in my wealth. Don't throw your money away. I'm not going to trust in my health. Take good care of yourself. I'm not going to trust in my mind, but keep feeding your mind with the things of God. Don't throw it away, but don't trust it. By faith, we'll see God. So take all of those things and use them for the glory of God. Trust God and use what he provides. So, I got a final question. What's the hardest? Trusting God in minor adversities or in major ones. You know, when you get to the point, there is no other place to turn but God. That's one thing. But how about the small things? I could do this. I could do that. Well, I might do this. I might do that. It's not at the end of the world, you know. That's the way we think. But you know, if you'll just one step at a time. I love that song. One step at a time, Lord Jesus, that's all I'm asking of you. If you'll trust God when you're young, it's easier to trust him when you're old. If you'll trust God today, it'll be, better to, it'll be easier to trust him tomorrow. If you'll trust him in the little things, he said, you be faithful over a few things and I'll make you ruler over many things. So you and I have to decide what are we going to do? You know what? Major adversities, you don't have a choice. But minor, we have a choice. I came up to the office yesterday. I've been away for a few days, and when you're away, you get the chance to do a lot of thinking of, you know, what I want to do when I get back. So I sat down to write down the four or five things that I'm going to do, start doing. My list, it ended up being 31 things. <laughs> Looks like it's going to take me all year. I was going to do it the first week I got back. You know what I mean? You ever been there? But you know what? If we will live today the way he wants us to live it, tomorrow will take care of itself. We don't know what tomorrow holds, <clears throat> but we know what? Who holds tomorrow? And I know he holds my hand. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. He hadn't failed me yet. Hadn't failed you either. The only time he ever failed you, he said, well, I did. No, you didn't do what he told you. You did a new revised version of what he told you to do. You did most of what he said, but not all of what he said. Well, doesn't he grade on the curve? No, he does not. He just says, trust me. Now that starts, folks, with a new birth. That's the reason we close every service, opening up our connection lobby. 
and giving you a chance to make that first step. That first step of faith. And when you make that first step, then God will take you to the next one and to the next one. But it's one step at a time. You cannot do what God wants you to do until you're born again. There has to be a new start. He doesn't want to take what Satan has built and what the world has built and build on it. He wants a brand new babe in Christ. And all you do is acknowledge the fact that I have messed up like everybody I know. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God and I'm going to trust Jesus as my Savior. That's where it starts. If the Holy Spirit's telling you to do that today, when you leave this building in just a moment, we're going to sing one verse of one hymn and then we will be dismissed. If you need to go while we're singing, just go and get out of the traffic. Just go out this door. As soon as you go into the lobby, look to the left. You'll see the big double doors going into that beautiful lobby. Apart from the crowd. And there'll be people there to pray with you and place things in your hands that will help you today to start that step. The instructions, so to speak. Now what do you do? What do you do? So I encourage you to do so. If, if you do not have a church home, I encourage you to start the new year with a church home. We'd love to have you at Sagemont. If you feel like that God is in this place and you want to be a part of it, you can go there and say, I'm a baptized believer. I'm a member of a church I do not or I cannot attend, but I'm going to come and I want to be a part of this church family. I've checked it out. I sense God is here. I want to do that. That is your choice. Father, I pray now that you will bless every decision, every person, May they do what you're telling them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.